Nevermore does the body of Christ need to surrender everything to Christ in our lifetime than right now. Mm -hmm. And we need to discipline and prepare ourselves to be able to turn to him and give him more with each shade of gray that falls upon this earth. There's a lot of grayness in the earth right now. There's some darkness, but there's a lot of grayness. People aren't quite sure if there's a better time coming, a worse time coming, a renewal of a virus, uh, something else. It's a gray, gray personality in the world, but it's very light in the Lord. And so we need to be those now who can stand in the midst of the furnace, stand in the midst of the plague, stand in the midst of the bad news, stand in the midst of the good news, and be consistent. And our confession is our God is sovereign. And our Lord says that he's the one who created the spoiler. Now, you see, some may scratch their head and get caught up in theological controversy was that one. To me, it appeases my spirit because if God created the spoiler, then God controls the spoiler. Amen. And everything that he has created is under his sovereignty. So whatever you want to call that invisible enemy, whomever you want to name him, whatever that is to you, I assure you one thing, God is greater and God is sovereign. And in him, you are victorious. You've already won. You've already won. We need to walk in that courage and in that faith, beloved. Because... A little shaking of the earth can send people back into their caves again, can it? And the scientists only know one thing to say. Stay in your cave until the numbers add up and then come back out of your cave. And if the numbers get worse, go back in your cave and maybe get used to living in your cave for a while. They're trying to indoctrinate our children. That's right. My little 13-year-old grandson said, Papa, Harvard said, ha huh. Harvard said, Harvard said that we're going to be dealing with this until 2021. And my response to him was, that's not one of the names of my Lord. That's right. That's it right there. Not one of the names of yeah. my Lord. You see what's happening here on the earth? They're trying to steal the identity of our children. They're trying to give them even worse than a depression mentality. People came out of the depression with a renewal with an, uh, an awakening, with, with hope, because everything was stripped away. But they want us to come out of this with fear. They want us to come out of this with perplexity. They want us to come out with an anticipation, but the wrong anticipation. They want us to come out anticipating more evil, more disease, more problems, and that our children are forever changed. Well, yes, we want our children to be forever changed because we're forever changed. And it's not about civil disobedience. Don't read me wrong. It's about godly obedience. Yeah. Yeah. Sir. We obey the word of the Lord. Plagues are not new in the earth, beloved. It's just the first time that we've had such a social media network that we can monitor it all over the place and get a little message from somebody in the little island of Fiji or in a little city state of Singapore that a hundred years ago barely existed. And then we want to respond to these increasing 
numbers. Where's the numbers been? That's my question. The worldometer, look it up. The numbers are increasing every day. The number of people dying from the flu, dying from AIDS, dying from suicide, all of those bigger numbers than this. Abortions, we've talked about it. Now over 11 million in the earth since January 1. How about that number? Man can control that number. Where are the scientists there? Nothing's killed more people than that this year. Nothing. Where's the scientists? Instead, now I'm going to get a little political on you. We get a bill that comes out of the House of Representatives that has a billion dollars in it for planned parent abortion. Trying to take advantage. Beloved, we need to stand up and say no. No, absolutely not. No. You want to tell our Lord in the midst of a pandemic plague? of a sinful world that we want to accelerate our sin and pour more money into it? Mindless people. The blind trying to lead the blind. But we're not those who are blind. We have eyes to see. We have ears to hear. We know the word of the Lord. And it's our time to stand up. And whatever voice and ears, whatever voice you have or whatever ears hear you, say it. Your audience might not be as large as somebody else's, but you have an audience. Say it to whom you can. And don't relent from getting a hold of your elected officials. Remind them that they're elected. And remind them that it's not supposed to be their preference. And remind them it's not supposed to be their morality. It's our morality and our preference. And this is the challenge for this country and for the world right now. And that challenge is this. If we truly are a nation of 70% Christians. That's what we say we are. A nation of 70% Christians. And I hope that my friend Ken Fish from American Atheist Herds is, Ken, we were founded on Judea Christian principles, whether you like it or not. And the rights that you're exerting in civil liberties are because of the Judea Christian principles that were founded in this nation. So yes, you have the rights to voice, but you don't have the right to legislate my morality. That you don't have, and we're taking it back. If there's any prayer that we have coming out of this pandemic, Mm -hmm. like it's the only one in the world right now, it's that we're taking back. We're taking back our rights to legislate our own morality. Say it. Do it. Be strong. Now, this isn't just a get out and vote speech. This is get on our knees and tell the Lord we're taking it back. Yes, He alone can give it back to us. He can change the hearts of those people that are in places. He can stop the mouths of those that need to be stopped. And he can lift up the voices of the ones that need to be lifted up. And the clarion call of the Lord is this. Stop killing my children. If you hear nothing else through this pandemic, that's the loudest voice you should hear. Yes, we're upset that 20 children in New York have some kind of a rash, but while those 20 children were coming forth in the last six weeks, another 2 million babies were killed in the world. Do the math. 20 for 2 million. Sonny, it doesn't make sense. And the witnesses below the altar, they're crying out, God, when will you avenge the blood? 
because within seconds, every 15 seconds, almost two unborn children are sent to heaven prematurely. And they've joined that chorus crying out, when, when, how much longer, how much more death, when, when. It's time for us to take back our morality. And so the Lord spoke this to me last night and this morning. And I know there's different prayer vigils going along, but this is a message to those of us in this ministry, in this church, and those who follow us. And whoever wants to hear, the Lord told me, son, call for eight weeks of prayer. Now, I don't have to ask the Lord why. I know it's because to birth something. It means there's something already in the birth canal that needs to come out. This wasn't a prayer to put something in the birth canal. It wasn't about becoming spiritually pregnant. It's about laboring to bring forth what the Lord already has. So we're going to start that. We're going to start it on Wednesday night here with worship and prayer if we can, and we're going to continue it on as the Lord calls us forth. And I'd like you to say, I want to be part of that prayer group. I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to be a prayer worshiper. I want to be a prayer watchman. I was reading where Micah cried out. And he was crying out to Samaria. And I said, Lord, why Samaria? You see that word Samaria, it means watching. And it was the capital at that time of Israel. Not Jerusalem, Samaria was. And it was supposed to be a watchtower. But it had fallen to idolatry and conformity and familiarism. It had become diluted. It was watered down. And Micah said, because of that Samaria, God's going to visit you. He's angry. And so the Lord's calling us to be a watchtower at this time. Each of us, we're pregnant with something spiritual right now. And I believe as we came into this year, there was so many false prophecies. Boy, have they shut up. This is the year of the 2020 vision. This is the year where you're going to have your most prosperity that you ever had. This is the year where everything's going to change and your eyesight's going to be perfect. And really? Boy, they're quiet now. What does it tell us? Too many voices in the earth that have nothing to say. Idle talk, people chasing every word out of people to find something for the moment, a quick fix, some kind of a, of, of a port, as C.S. Lewis said last week. Remember, he said, if I want to comfort Christianity, I'd drink a port instead. They're looking for a spiritual port. But the Lord's telling us to get strong and stand. Two weeks ago, he said, call out for inner strength, inner strength. Everything else around us will conform to who you are in Christ. Do you realize that? Instead, we want to become a word from somebody else to conform to what they have to say. But Christ is saying Christ in you is strong enough. And when you have that authority, when you have that countenance, when you have that word, when you have that presence inside of yourself, wherever you are, you begin to take authority over that environment. 
Even death can't withstand you. We have people in here that serve hospice. You see death all the time. And you know when you go into that environment, you take authority and you bring life. It may not be life of a body, but will be eternal life. And you bring hope. And you look death square in the eye and you say, not on my watch. And that's what the Lord's calling us to do. He said eight weeks of prayer. I don't know why, but the last time he told us that it was 100 days, which ended right on December 31st. We had no idea, and we knew it wasn't for a 2020 euphoric blast. We knew, he said, we were entering into the place of next. Well, guess what? We're there. And now the Lord wants us to see what we are seeing in the place of next. Not to leave the place of next. We're here for a while in this next he wants us to see what it is. So wherever you are, whoever you are, I'd like you to just write in and say, I want to become part of this watchman prayer for the next eight weeks. All we're going to do is keep you in line with the prayers that the Lord puts in our heart to do at the time. He's already given me three prayer points. I'll share them today. And I believe it's, I don't want to say I believe, I know it's to mature us and to prepare us. As I was driving here, it takes me eight and a half minutes to get here from my house. What a blessing. It used to take me an hour and 20 minutes to get to my church down in Miami on a good day. <laughs> what a blessing. And in that eight and a half minutes, I began to weep because I didn't see a lot of cars going to churches. I usually used to see some charges and I could tell which way they were headed, whether it was south, west, east to a church somewhere, how they were dressed. Not too many people get up early in the morning to go to church on a Sunday, maybe to go fishing, huh? maybe to go do something else, maybe to go to a sports game. And don't get me wrong, I'm a sportster, but, and I was weeping. And I said, Lord, isn't it sad that we're waiting for somebody somewhere to let the green light go off and say it's okay to be in the fellowship of the saints again? Now, we honored that for a while till the Lord said enough, and then we said enough. We didn't protest it. We didn't advertise it. We just said God said it's time to come back together, to grain strength together. And if we don't tune our ears up to hear from the Lord, we're going to continue to be led by people that may be well-intentioned, but spiritually ignorant. So we need to be those who allow the Spirit of the Lord to lead us. So eight weeks, starting today. I don't understand why. I don't know why. I don't know why the Lord said eight weeks, but I know he said eight weeks. And I wept on my way here this morning because I said, when people finally start to go back to church, what is their expectation? To pick up where they left? To just fall back into the same cycles? To be fed the same stuff? To hold on to the same talismans, the same rituals? Or is there a hunger and a thirst and a passion to be changed?
see God new. How will people return to church? And then you know what really made me cry? It wasn't so much about the people. It was about us pastors. How will we return? What will we say? What will our business plans be? Bigger churches? More churches? Bigger campus? Hmm? Have you considered... I guess this is what I'm preaching now, so I'm going to preach it because I'm receiving it. Have you considered that when Jesus went out to minister, no matter what the intentions were, they couldn't keep the people from him? And they tried. They were the ancient old bodyguards. Huh? They were the ones that were trying to carry his Bible. They were today's armor bearers. Oh my, big ministries have lots of armor bearers. Insulate the pastor. Make sure he gets from his office to the pulpit. Nobody touches him because he probably has a word from the Lord that can't be bothered. Can't carry his own Bible up to the pulpit. I mean, after all, respect him. Get his car warmed up for him. Have it waiting. Have three people sitting outside the door for everything that he shouts. I lived in churches like that. For some reason, I could never let anybody carry my Bible up to a pulpit. I remember telling one young man, he just, his face froze because he'd been trained to honor the person of God. And he went to grab my Bible and I pulled it back. And he went to pull it again, and I pulled it back. I said, you can't have that. He goes, no, I want to carry it for you. And I said, son, the day that someone needs to carry my Bible up to the pulpit, I'm done. I'm going home. I said, because I have a covenant with God, strong and then gone. And if I can't carry my Bible up there, then I'm not going. I'm going home. He looked at me like I fell off of another planet. And the truth of the matter is we're supposed to be from another planet, aren't we? So what will pastors do when they come back? That's my prayer. Will it just be the same old business of the ministry? Will it just be the same old sermons? The same old programs? The same old business plans? How many of you are surprised to know that churches have business plans? Huh? Boy, are those boring meetings. We don't have them here, thank God. Those who work with me will tell you, I'm not one who likes to hear about all the details. Thank you very much. Take care of it. See you later. You're doing a great job. Leave me alone. What will happen when people go back to their churches? How long? Will the passion last? And will we truly start preaching the fear of the Lord? And will we really let people understand that God is sovereign? Will we quit being timid?
to hold on to theological basis and premise that does nothing more but distract people and make us feel good. Yes, God is good, but he says, I'm the God who does good and evil. Read the prophets. I saw something that was terrible that was sent to me by somebody. I think they sent it to me to try to change my thinking. They didn't have any words with it. They just sent it to me. And I knew who they were, and so I started to look at it, and it was too long, and I, you know, I started listening, and, and I listened to make sure I wasn't listening wrong, and then I went to the beginning and the end, and I was listening right. And what it said was that the God of the Old Testament is not the same God as today. I'm just paraphrasing it for you. What it said was that the God of today under grace does not send evil. Really? 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 So who sends it? Some other God? Somebody else who has control of my life? Is God out of control? Is God surprised? God says, I'm the one who created the destroyer. That's the word he gave me last night. It's in Isaiah, it's in Micah, it's in Ezekiel. Over in Jeremiah, the prophets over and over said, I'm the one who created the waster. I'm the one who created the spoiler. Pray for me, Psalms 91, that I not send you a plague. <laughs> well, if we're going to pray, doesn't send one. Guess what that means? Now, I'm not here to try and dissect the P4 laboratory in China. I already did that. That's where it came from. There's no doubt. I knew that in January. What the world does with it is another thing. But I know that God is control. And I know that whatever was behind that, the Lord allowed it to happen. And I know that his intentions are good for those whose intentions are righteous in him. All things work together for good to those who God and For those who love God, all things work together for good. That's a condition. That's a condition. That means that the same thing that falls upon the earth can have consequences that are bad and consequences that are good. Now, by the grace of God, and I thank God for it, we have not had one testimony, one witness, one experience of anybody involved with this ministry here or around the world that has become sick. Not one. Maybe what we teach works. And we don't, we don't thwart it. We don't go in front of it. We're not tempting it. We're trying to abide by what ignorant people are telling us to do. Some that make sense, not make sense. How about three weeks ago? Huh? They came out and said, fresh air is good for you. How about that one? Wow, what a revelation. Now you can go outside. Fresh air is good. I think Adam knew that. You think God, you know, walking in the cool of the breeze and that kind of stuff in the middle of the garden. You think God and Adam were saying, boy, this is nice fresh air you made, Lord. His very breath is called fresh. Nefesh. It's the breath of God. Nefesh. Refresh nefesh. We need some scientists to tell us the nefesh of God is good. 
Who do we listen to? What do we say? We indeed are in the titanic war, the clash between the invisible enemy and the invisible God. That's where we are. But we won. We already won. And now we need to fulfill that which we've been called to do and grow stronger and grow bolder and grow more mature and grow more committed and come together as a body of Christ. That's where the weakness is. The weakness is that the body of Christ is not together. The weakness is there's three different temperatures, right? I took my son-in-law to the Mercy Emergency the other night because he he's, likes to cook and he has these really expensive sharp knives and he cut the tip of his finger off and big hunk of meat. And uh, so I took him. And we were going in the door and they took his temperature and let him in and then the young man that was there dressed in his blues, he said, you can't come in. I said, really? I said, there's nobody in there. He said, I know, but you can't come in. It's only for people we're working on. I said, isn't that something? And then he took my temperature. He says, oh, your temperature's good. I said, now can I come in? He goes, no. I said, so why'd you take my temperature? I said, you feel good, I feel good. We have a good temperature, but I still can't come in. And you know what he said? He said, I don't know why you can't come in. That's what he told me. I don't know why. Because the place was empty. And I thought about it. And maybe that's what we're seeing in the body of Christ today. Temperatures need to be taken. Hot, lukewarm cold and then people need to come in they need to come in and say I want to be on fire for God I want to be on fire for God I want to be on fire for God Patty I'd like you to pray for us right now how many of you know that you know this ministry this house this church we don't have agendas we tried. We did pretty good with that, with the live streaming thing. You know, 10 minutes of music, get on, go. Because, hey, if you're watching and you get bored, go to your kitchen and go do whatever you want. Come back. We, we don't have agendas. Let's pray to the Lord right now to light up fires inside of us. And, and for let these fires be contagious. You know, something about candlelight service I love. We all light each other's candles. And then we become the light of the world together. We need to be lit up inside and become the light of the world together to come on fire wherever we're at and a fire that will not go out, but one that will burn forever, just like the Hanukkah candles, the oil that never let up, the miracle of Hanukkah. We want to be the miracle, the fire of God. Patty, would you please? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You might be sitting, but can we just stand? Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, you're an all-consuming fire. Father, you're all-consuming. 
And Lord, you have baptized us in fire. Father, some have lost their fire. Father, some have had situations in our lives that have pushed the fire out, that have caused, Lord, those things that need to be surrendered, to be buried deep inside. Father, we declare today that we're not going to be those that just simply catch a little flame and the wind blows and it blows it out. But Father, we declare today that we are going to be vessels of fire. Father, we release your fire, Holy Spirit fire, Lord, to consume everything within our lives that needs to be consumed. God, you are a consuming fire. So, Father, right now, let there be a consummation of your presence. Father, we declare that fire shall fall, Lord, into our lives, into our spirits, that you will go deep, Lord, and that right now, Holy Spirit, there will be a fanning of the flame, Lord, that we may not know those things that need to be surrendered, but let them be surrendered now. Put your finger and your fire upon them, Lord, and let it be consumed by your presence. Father, we ask right now that there would be a lighting up, a lighting up. If you desire the fire of the Lord, let the fire of the Lord fall. Let your hands be raised and let cry out to the Lord. Cry out and ask the Lord for his fire. You know, I can say it, we can pray it, but you have to want it. You have to desire it. You have to desire his presence and his fire more than anything else. You have to desire to be consumed by the presence of God. You have to say it doesn't matter what man thinks. It doesn't matter how I feel. Let the fire begin to burn in your belly. Let the fire be lit up inside your bones that your bones are crying out for fire. Let there be an all-consuming fire and a presence of God that enters you that wherever you go to your home, to your job, to your children, to your grandchildren, that there's going to be a fire that's going to be lit. Come, Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, my God, step out of what is normal. Step out of what is comfortable and step into the fire of God. Step into the fire of God. Desire the fire. Desire the fire. Let your hands be lifted. Say, Lord, consume me now with your fire. I want your fire. Father, let your fire fall. And God, let it come from within. Let it come from without. Let it blow through this house. Let it blow through. And Lord, let it not go out. We declare the fire of the Lord shall not go out. It shall be present and burn within us and within our homes and our families. Let your fire fall in Jesus' name. For those of you who've been writing in, thank you so much. It's meaningful. And uh, I love it when you send me a word, send us a word. And those who've helped to support us, thank you so much. And our friends in different time zones, uh, Jim in Colorado and Carrie in California and Bishop Vincent in Africa. And Pastor Amor sends his blessings. And although they're still sheltered in, 
in Pakistan. Israel's just begun to open back up. Italy, you got to love the Italians. They're opening up and they said, I think in two weeks they're going to let everybody start flying all over the place again. They, you know, what can I tell you? Some of my kinfolk. <laughs> I'm not saying they should do that. I'm just telling you they're doing that. And um, thank you for staying in touch with us. If you haven't subscribed to the POTUS Shield Alerts, please do. I'll be sending something out this week. It's bubbling inside of me. I need to get it out. And you do that by simply texting on your phone 313131, and then you put in small case POTUS Shield, P-O-T-U-S-S-H-I-E-L-D. You'll get an alert. The last one that went out was about a 10-minute video that went forth, and it got a lot of responses, some from believers and some from non-believers, which is good. Um, thank you. I won't even name your periodicals. You know who you are. You watch me. You follow me. You write about me. And all these people that would probably not get this message at all, they get it because they tell them, to watch this crazy guy. So, thank you. I only have three points to make. My wife's going to be shocked. It's going to be the shortest addition to a sermon I've ever given. Apostasy, awakening, and apathy. That's our challenge right now. The times of apostasy, of lawlessness, coming into the earth, contending with righteousness are upon us. Don't look for them longer. They're here. There's apostasy all over the earth and unfortunately within the body of Christ. And we've seen it coming for a while. We've seen denominational splits and issues and problems. Is Should there be homosexuality condoned in the church should a pastor or somebody be an open homosexual preaching from the pulpit? Should we embrace that which is LGBT or should we not? What do we think about same-sex marriage? Should we perform them or should we not? Should a woman have the right to her own body so that we can defend abortion, or should we not? Apostasy's been around a while. I just finished and scribed a little thing to Ken Fish, American atheist, on behalf of a friend of mine that asked me to. And um, in so doing, a lot of things came to light. And one of the things that came to light is that the greatest explanation for atheism is apostasy in the church. And let's put a hip in front of it. Hypocrisy in the church. So that when people are trying to rationalize what or who a Christian is, we give them so many reasons to criticize, don't we? We do it. I do it. You do it. As a body of Christ, we do it. So apostasy is rampant today. And it's that falling away time that 
we were told in the Scriptures, would happen. And when it did, to beware, for the Son of Man is preparing to come back. There would be an apostasy of falling away. On the flip side of that, we have a, a cry out. And some friends, people that we know, people who've been here, are at the forefront and have been of that for a long time. Dutch Sheets has traveled all over the country with Chuck Pierce and Tim and crying out for the awakening, the reawakening here in the states of this country. An awakening has happened multiple times in history, and it's like revival is what it is, but I've always cried out while they've done that, along with Lou Engel, who was also here, that, that the awakening we're calling for, for me, it isn't just the evangelism of the world. Believe it or not, Christianity is doing a pretty good job evangelizing the world. Some of you, we've been together to different places in the world. I see my beloved brother Jimmy Nadel here. We've been to some strange places, Jimmy. And it's not new. It's been going on for 30 years, 40 years, 10 years, 5 years. The body of Christ has been evangelizing. And when we're not doing it, God himself is doing it by the Spirit. There's been an awakening going on for evangelizing people into the faith of Christianity. And sometimes it's Jesus appearing in a dream. Sometimes physically to somebody in a Muslim nation. It's happening all the time. Sometimes in China. And the people that live there and the ones that become on fire for God and realize that they are putting everything at risk, everything at stake, not just their lives, but everything, and their children's lives. You know, it's one thing when I would go into difficult places by myself, I preferred being alone because then it was just me or whomever was with me, but it wasn't my family, it wasn't my children. It's another thing when you put your children and your family at risk, and people are doing that in China. They're doing it in the Muslim nations. It's real stuff. They're doing it in Iran. They're putting their families on the line. So evangelizing is going on, and we in, the, in this Western wonderful country we have, we should not be too proud, nor take too much responsibility for it, because God is doing it. Awakening, the greatest awakening within the body of Christ. And what has just happened, this pause that the earth was put on, the pause that ministries were put on, the pause that churches were put on, the habits that were broken. What has just happened? I can assure you that God's perfect will is that we be stirred up and that our faith be stronger, and that our commitments be greater, and that our love be better. An awakening within the body of Christ. That's a reformation. God, we need a reformation in the body of Christ. Here and all over the world, in many places of the world. Some places in the world, Christianity is a political party. Did you know that? It's not even a faith. It's a party. It's a faction. And then finally, apathy. Apathy. How many of you, without raising your hands, 
I'm not taking a poll. How many of you could say that in some facets of your life, I have been apathetical in my faith? Let me raise my hand for everybody. Here I am. Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. I've sometimes not done the things that I could have done. Sometimes I've done the things I shouldn't have done. Sometimes I didn't walk in the way that the door was open, and sometimes I got in the way of an open door. Good news, we don't live in those regrets. But a better news is we say, Father, no more. I don't want to be apathetical anymore. I don't want to be somebody who walks in regrets again. And so, one of my favorite scriptures, a little piece of one, is redeeming the time. <laughs> the older you get, the more you like to hear about redeeming the time. It's a good thing. Claim it for everything. Hmm? Great warrior of God said, when I was 40, I was trying to find my way. When I was 85, you showed me. And then God used him mightily. So it's not about age. It's about what we do with the time we have now. Apathy. And now I'm preaching to all of us in the body of Christ. What will we do about apathy? Will we attack apathy like we would a thief trying to come in your home? Will we consider apathy to be a cancer that needs to get out of our mind and our body? Will we renounce apathy like we would murder? Apathy. So, apostasy, it's in the earth. Awakening, let it come to the body of Christ. Apathy, Father, renew our minds. No more. Let us become strong again. Let us not be those who feel like it's too big for us to make a difference. No. You are the difference. I'm the difference. Together, we're strong. No more apathy. Amen.